We welcome the Gashpiku. Welcome to Conlangery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people that create them. I'm George Corley. With me is, or not with me, she's in another <laughs> state, but the my lovely co-host, Bianca Mangum. Hello. And my intelligent, well-informed co-host, <laughs> William Ennis. <laughs> Hello. Who the lovely has, William Ennis. Yes, right. William Ennis, who has all <laughs> the lovely exotic examples that me and Bianca would otherwise be lacking. Yes. We did miss you on episode 12, by the way. I'm sorry. It was a good party. <laughs> it was a good party. I, I apologize, we, but... My party was better than your party, though. I, I don't know. I, I don't think know. We, um, we went over this one. Yeah, my party was definitely better. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go to both parties. You don't know. Did his party have naked people in a pool? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, then our parties might have been about equal. <laughs> um, okay. But I doubt it. No, I'm telling you, the party was so nice. Like, this girl's, like, uncle has the nicest house ever. It has, like, a pool with a diving board. It has a tennis court and a basketball court. Why do you need both? I don't know. But it was away, the coolest. You they had, like, a fountain for their cats. You never have to worry about me not being here because I'm not a party person. Besides, I run the podcasts and edit it and everything, so... You uh, have to be here. I have to be yeah, here. Yeah, if you weren't here, we'd just be talking and then we're like, oh, we forgot to record. Oh, well. I'm sure William could figure it out. He's computer guy. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't want to. I'm not at work. I, when I when I come home, I become amateur linguist lunatic, so I would prefer to keep it that it's way. It's like chefs. They cook all day. They don't want to come home and cook. I, I don't really contribute much you, to this, do I? No. I one of you, someday in the future, if I end up going away or something, going somewhere where I have no internet or something. <laughs> but anyway, why don't we... should cut that out and start over. <laughs> I will figure it out. <laughs> um, why don't we actually talk about our main topic right now, which is, how do you break old habits? So, any creative endeavor, it doesn't matter if you're writing or, or uh, doing visual art or, or conlanging, you get into ruts. And I'm sure all of us have noticed some ruts uh, that we tend to get into over and over. So we're going to talk about, you know, how do you get out of that, and what kinds of things you can, what what can you can, what can you do to put more, make sure you have a lot of variety in your conlangs. So. Uh, Bianca, 
Oh. I haven't made you go first for a long time. Oh, okay, I'll go first. I actually do have something to say this time. This actually reminds me of, like, the great psychological question. I mean, in life, you end up, well, at least in my school of psychology, you know, you end up doing, you follow the same patterns for most of your life, and if you happen to be unfortunate, these end up being bad cycles to repeat. So the question is, how do you stop doing them? The same thing with conlangs. You know, I would say the first thing is to notice you're repeating yourself. So, like, one thing I notice myself doing is I, um, how do you say it? I like doing phrasal verbs like English. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a hard habit to break. Um, I don't do, like, rip-off English exactly, but I do like the idea of it. So I end up repeating it. So I guess the first step is to notice you're doing it and then don't do it. But at the same hand, you don't want to do the exact opposite all of the time because then it gets really boring as well. So I don't know if that was a real answer, but you know. See, I haven't made too many conlangs to a high degree, so I, I, I don't necessarily see that much, but I see a lot of times I do a couple of things like I'm I I'm very happy with the moods. I like to I like to make verbs marked for several different for a lot of different moods. And I don't know if I really need to do that all the time. And I also and this is actually a, a an Englishy thing. I like I tend to use a verb copula. And I think it's mainly because I get to the copula to part and I'm like, well, how can I do this? I know uh, I know there's other ways to do the structure. Just have no copula or have some sort of particle type thing, but or say copula. Which one is it? Copula. Copula. I'm I think sorry. it's that stupid verb. I don't... Not verb. God damn it. Um, it's a stupid <laughs> vowel. Do I have a? It, it might be one of those stupid things I don't really have. But whatever. Um, I have never had the issue with the copula just because... Well, I have one language that has it and one language that doesn't. And one that... We'll have one for transitive and one for intransitive. Wait, does that work? No. No, it doesn't. Just kidding. <laughs> so anyway, and William, uh, I'm sure you have some that you've seen, because you probably created a lot more languages than we have, or at least started on a lot more. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, there's one issue in that some people you know, have a very small number of languages and they work on them forever. And for them, probably habits are less of a problem. Uh-huh. Um, and honestly, I think small habits are not a big deal. If you're just a fa, a great big huge fan of moods, go nuts. <laughs> but if you're doing a whole bunch of things the same then you might want to under you know figure out why you're doing that cuz honestly if i realize i'm doing a bunch of the same things it's kind of boring 
It's like, oh yes, I've just recreated this language, but with a different phonology. Well, that was <laughs> that was kind of pointless. Um, so I definitely go through trends, just because typically I'll do a bunch of sketches, maybe a lot of sketches, working my way up to a bigger language, which will be a, a, a much bigger production with much better documentation, and in those final products tend to be quite different from each other. Um, so it's it. If you just looked at my my horrible notebooks, it would look like I'm have several big habits. But that's because I'm trying to get a mix right. Oh, okay. I know, but, like, but that's oh. conscious. I realize I'm doing that. That these sketches are part of a way up to something else. Yeah, Bianca, you were gonna say. I was gonna say. I mean, I don't know if it's a habit or so much as just my. Um, level of consciousness about things I know. Um, what I end up repeating tends to be things I know from the languages that I know. So when I get stuck on something, I will usually end up doing something similar to one of the languages I know. So people laugh at me, but, you know, sometimes I'm thinking, oh, God, it's just like Spanish because I see all of the parts that I stole from Spanish. And at the same time, like, if I don't know a way, I'll usually just take it from Spanish. Hmm. Which... Well, this raises up, then, the one great way to break old habits is to stop conlanging for a while and go learn another language. Exactly. Well, I mean, there's the joke, right, that a linguist is somebody who grabs a book from the library on Friday and comes back Monday claiming to know Swahili. <laughs> Right, you don't need to master the language, but you know, spend more than just a few, you know, a few hours slipping through the grammar can be very, very, very productive. I like to say that I know things about more languages than I actually know. Right, like I know a fair bit about grammatical features in Japanese, but I know I cannot speak more than a few disconnected sentences of Japanese. Yeah. Or, like, if I try and explain to my family, like, the Templatic thing going on in Arabic, they think, oh, you speak Arabic. No. No, I don't. I don't know anything. Um, yes, but having a greater source of knowledge to take ideas from is one way to avoid old habits, because then you'll have something new to copy. Yes. And listen to this podcast. You're already on the right track. (laughs) I say that kind of jokingly, but actually... uh, Like with us and um, Teva. Part of what we... I found that actually doing this podcast has brought to me information about things that I wouldn't have thought about, mostly because William has all these exotic examples that he gives me. Uh, and we look at conlangs that have very different things. But I'm not saying listen to this co- co- podcast, but participate in the conlang community. Go on the forums. Go into go join the mailing lists because there's a lot of smart people talking about a lot of different languages, a lot of different linguistic features that basically you can have other people teach you stuff from all sorts of different perspectives. 
Sure. I mean, I, I somewhat assume that anyone listening to this podcast has already done some of that, <laughs> that they're already engaged with. The, Most the, of them, I think so. But yeah. there yeah. must be some people who are less engaged. I mean, I always like just going over a nice grammar. Like, even if you don't go through all of it, if you're stuck on one part and you know, like, okay, let's say I'm doing relative clauses. I always like marking my relative clauses. Um, but if you are looking for a different way to mark it or something funky, just, you know, go through a couple different grammars looking at that one section. You might find something interesting. Sure, sure. And these days, you kids have it easy. There are With plenty the of... I know, I can, I can wave my cane around. <laughs> there, there are lots of grammars available freely online. Yes. Especially of lesser studied languages. I do not need to see ever in my life another grammar of French, probably. But if you want to see a grammar of Hoopa or... You know, what's another one that I ran across recently? Uh, uh, Spokane, right? There's all of these great things out there which you can find with a little digging. Yeah, the only problem is sometimes you'll get, maybe not, um, you know, less common languages, but I know trying to find, I found a nice grammar on Basque, but the majority of the resources are, of course, in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes you can run into that trouble. But with enough digging, you can usually find something in English. That's the nice thing in that speaking English, I get the easy way out. (laughs) Well, I think uh, everybody who's listening to this podcast speaks English to at least some decent degree. I hope so, or else... Who knows what the hell this means to us No, I shouldn't say that. I've ended up watching quite a few children's movies in Swedish just because you have to listen to it and go through that horrible phase of, I don't understand anything. Just to get to the point where you can understand stuff. Watching Chinese TV is hilarious. But anyway, why don't we just say... Actually, shows in other languages would probably be a good way to get ideas as well. Watching stuff in other languages, but the thing is, actually, watching stuff in other languages, can't really tell a whole lot about a language you don't know by translating from subtitles. Yeah, you're not going to learn well, tricks about evidentiality. Yeah, you can't well, really learn. I don't, I don't normally use the subtitles. Um, I was thinking more like from phonology-wise. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, like, one thing I notice that I do is for some reason I tend to use a single fricative series. And I think I just got that from Spanish. And I keep doing what that. What do you mean? I, like, I only have one fricative series. I never do, like, voiced and voiceless. That's not that uncommon. Yeah, I think it's a fairly common thing. I don't think it's really a big thing that I need to change, but it's just one of those things that I do. Yeah. So, before we recorded, started recording this episode, we had a little dispute about walls. (laughs) But I think, you know, picking a few features of walls and actually reading those articles is a good way to get 
an image of what's out there in terms of possibilities. I agree. And that's on that. a great. That's a great way to to maybe that's not how you want to do your research to determine your way to do relative clauses, but it's a great way to learn about all the possibilities. I agree with that's, that. I mean, that's an interesting thing. I may need to do that for because I'm trying to figure out if I want to do relative clauses one way or another. Yeah. And uh, um, another thing that I've done is go on to the typology database that we mentioned a while back. I think I mentioned that I did this before, but I search for a feature and look at all the universals that pop up for that feature. I still want to add, like, flavors of smell. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that. I don't know what to do. call it. There's no word about for it. Um, but how do you do that? Because we don't con- we don't think of smell in that way. In well, English, you, we don't. You have to take your time, think about it, and then. Are there any human languages that have? Yes, basic, that's the point. Basic smell it, terms. That's the point. A very, very small number do. Okay. Well, I think that would have been good for like the first language we did on our first episode with the shapeshifters if they had that. That's what the, they had that. Oh, they did! Yay! That's where you got that idea. I thought. No, I got it from when uh, Will said it. Yeah, that, it was mentioned in the grammar, but I I don't think he gave any examples about it. But yeah. Okay. What else was I going to say? As much as I have misgivings about walls, I do think it's a good place to find a different a range of the possibilities that exist. I yes. Do. It's a good place to look. Um, what else was I going to say? Um, sometimes you just have to wait for inspiration to strike, or else you will just keep doing the same things, though. Sure. I, I keep a notebook where if I get some crazy idea or a funky phonology or a few points that I might want to work out in the future, I'll just write those down. And that becomes a resource to fall back on if I find myself falling into patterns, too, because, you know, some demented sound system I came up with two years ago might be, <laughs> if, if not wholly adopted, might push me in a different direction that, that seems more workable and more interesting than what I've done so far. I've never really had issues with sound systems, just because I, I know what I want it to sound like. Like, I have the prosody, I have the kind of feel I want in mind. The problem is just putting it to paper. (laughs) (sighs) Like, I wanted to do one language that had, um, and this is just a note here that someday I'll get to, that has uh, fricative harmony. Um. Um, how does that exactly work? Uh, something like it occurs in a few languages of the Pacific Northwest, but I would make it more thorough. Um, so if you have like an S sound, then you'd always have sa, sa, za. But if you had a lateral fricative, then everything would be a la, la, la. And the point is, certain elements of grammar might trigger a whole scale, a wholesale change in a word. So oh. a, word that, a word that might be, you know, spara 
might become spara or something else um, when some new grammar happened to it. I had a language that I only worked on for a short time and never developed too far, but it had vowel rounding harmony. Sure. Oh, I'm doing that now. The one thing I am trying to do with my third language, I guess, which I haven't really worked on much just because I've been busy, um, I keep trying to add front round vowels, but as it happens, I don't necessarily enjoy them. So I keep adding them at the beginning and then slowly realizing I'm not using them, so I just get rid of them. So this time <laughs> I swear I will keep them in just because I'm having the vowel rounding harmony, so I'll have to. <laughs> but the point is, this yeah. is just, you know, just a feature. I thought, oh, that would be interesting. I made a few fake examples and stuck it in the notebook, and it's there waiting for me to to, to browse over again someday. That's cool. So yeah. you can you can think of individual... A lot of times for me, look, thinking of an individual example will lead to, for or an individual feature will lead to me creating a language. Oh, a single feature creating a language? I don't think that's happened in a while for me. But it's it's sort of like, I want to create a language that uses this thing. Sure. And so, the next language I create, I make sure I put that thing in that. And then I do other features in, in addition. Hmm. Um, hmm. But... Yeah, because you have to have a complete language. But anyway, um, I think just to reiterate our points, we're talking about if um, if we want to say to, to just to summarize everything, because I think we've covered pretty much all the stuff. I wanted to suggest would, one more weird idea. One more, okay. Mm-hmm. Pick two languages, whether invented or natural, and imagine what would happen if they had a baby. That's <laughs> what I do for all of my languages. That's what it is. So, Inyauk is Arabic and Inuktitut, or however you say it. Um, and then... My, yeah, I don't... My... whatever. Um, so, those smash together, but I don't like uvulars, so I got rid of them. Um, <laughs> And you don't like s- uvulars. <laughs> I don't like anything. You should be used to this by now. Okay. Well, I so, actually have them as allophones in a certain region, if you're happy now. Actually, um, um, but tricks like that, smashing two languages great. together. Another thing is, if you're into, like me, at least when I started conlanging, I was into making languages for alien, non-human creatures. A lot of times I would figure out ways that the biology would restrict them in ways that humans aren't restricted. And basically, you don't have to do a physiological, crazy, weird thing. But you can just say, okay, I'm going to make a language that has... that cannot do such and such thing. It cannot have nasals for some reason. And I don't know. That, that makes things interesting. I don't know. To me, those ideas don't really appeal to me. But whatever. 
Well, different people are invent languages for different reasons, so obviously True. different techniques are going to be the, I mean, the the fallback for for preventing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoy the smashing two languages that have no business being together. Together, cool. um, um, Swedish and Basque. Yes. So, Bianca, you might find this interesting to know that a Creole language of Basque and Algonquin developed off the coast of Canada. No, that's what I was doing for my third language. Because they brought all these Basques over to fish the waters off of Newfoundland. That's You're going to have to link me to that later. That's awesome. Um, it is that, awesome. I'm like, how did that happen? Those sound like verbs from hell. Put a link to that in the show notes if you can find it. It's, it, it's, it, I don't think it's documented online. It's just because I don't think it was ever recorded. It, it, it disappeared um, before the North America was even heavily colonized. Oh. That's because they tried speaking it and then their brains exploded from the words. <laughs> right? That could be. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting, though. I wonder what that would look like. Um, Do it. <laughs> well, you're doing it, so I'll look at the one you're doing. If I ever get time. Um. Well, I think just reiterate what we're saying is what we were what we were saying is when you're looking at what what ruts you're into and what realize what ruts you have, what things you do over and over. And sometimes that's hard because sometimes you don't know what options are out there. So Mm -hmm. learn more languages, (laughs) study languages. You don't necessarily have to learn a language of fluency in order to get enough of it to steal features from it. Uh, Participate in the conlang community, um, and do tricks like William suggested, like smashing two netlangs together in an interesting way. Or even one of your favorite conlangs. Yeah, you mm-hmm. could do that. But it's harder to find informational conlangs, I guess. Some. I don't know, it depends. So, I think we covered that pretty well. Why don't we move on to our featured conlang, which I'm going to figure out exactly how to pronounce in just a second. Let's... <laughs> what is the... Okay. Uh, Tmashore. It's the other R. What? Tmashore. I think you said the front version of the A. That's hard for me to pronounce, Bianca. I know. I can't do it either. I end up doing my weak all sound. But anyway, this, this language is part of the Akana project. And as such, it's actually derived using this giant list of sound changes from an earlier language. I think it comes from the language they call Mm Proto-Western. And it's very, very interesting to me, at least. It's got lots of 
so it has this really complicated verb complex I was looking at. There, it makes it look very much sort of a polysynthetic. I don't know if it's proper to use that term with it, but it looks that way to me. I would say yes. Yeah. It even had, you can attach the speech, uh, uh, something referring to the speech act, the verb, which is interesting to me. Oh, well, it just uh, it says interrogative and irrelevant on this. Ooh, ergative, absolutive. Declarative, <laughs> interrogative, and irrealis are the speech acts, so maybe that's not as interesting as I thought it was, but it is interesting. You're marking whether it's a question on the verb or whether it's... Um, but... I don't know. Will, what, what sticks out to you on this? Well... What drew my attention to it is that whoever came up with this language has clearly spent a certain amount of time, maybe a lot of time, uh, studying languages of uh, North America. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it does all sorts of funky things. Um, The verb complex is just a classic thing that any, you know relative of Navajo would be happy with. There's a full 12 positions. <laughs> I saw that and I thought exactly the same thing. Um, the only <laughs> thing that it's doing differently is it's primarily suffixing rather than prefixing. That would be the thing that would tip it over into to Navajo crazy land. Um, uh, I like that it has applicatives. I wish there were more examples of them because I frankly find applicatives a little confusing even though right now I'm studying a natural language with them. Um, I love a lot of these Akana project languages because they come with a built-in giant dictionary because that's that's the fodder for a lot of their, their sound changes. Oh, yeah. They, and he has also very long, fairly long example texts. With, with, as Bianca will love, lots of w- complete interlinear glosses of these long texts. I was going to mention that. I spent a nice long time looking at the, the horse and the sheep one, I think, just because I translated that myself, so I was familiar with it. I was like, yay, finally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. no, it's nice. I see so, for, so for people who um, are big fans of this approach, the 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 Rosenfelder approach, as I like to call it, even though probably we should be calling it the Tolkien approach, um, probably um, I think um, Zompist has done more to push this as a model for other people to conlang than than just fans of Quenya. Um, this is a really great example of it. It's really nicely laid out. I just, I love everything about this. Mm-hmm. Um, You're meaning the historical... Yes, yes, yes. Starting starting with this, this, you know, a bass language and then running it through a bunch of sound light changes. Although what's I interesting... Think, uh, what? I was just say, what's interesting about the Econa Project is you'll have this bass language... 
And then people come to their, their sound change program with an agenda. So quite radically different languages come out of the same proto-language um, because people have their own ideas about what, what they want. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. This, this seems to me from, from spending more time there. I don't know if... if well, I haven't looked at it at all, so I don't know. Right. But I can see that happening because I could easily take the same proto thing and change it into two different, very different languages if I had the mind to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although they were given good stuff to work with. The, the, it had a bunch. It was already ergative absolutive. It had a huge number of noun classes, so you know you can run with that in different directions. Although, did yeah. this language keep the noun classes, or did it whack them? Uh, I don't know. I don't I know what it did. I didn't actually look at uh, Proto-Western to really look at... <laughs> oh, no, it kept actually... some of them. It kept some of them. Good, good. It has seven. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know how many it had to start with. More than that. Yeah. Proto-Western, the Mashare is of the... A desert variety of Proto-Western, which I love how the the Proto-languages have these very, very vague directional names. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. It has a large evidential inventory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's see, where was that? I saw that too. About a third of the way down, um, just before the conjugation system. Um, it looks more or less natural. Yeah, there's nothing too, too bonkers about that. Ooh, modals. Yeah. Oh, never mind. <sighs> I think, I'm um, too afraid to use modals just because I feel like it's too Englishy. But, you know, oh, no, they're I know. Common. I know, but unfortunately, having been through the ringer with English, German, and Swedish, it kind of feels done to me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're fairly common. See, the evidentials, yeah, okay. It has, yeah, those seem to be normal. It has direct participation, visual, non-visual, uh, from evidence assumed and hearsay. Those seem to be the typical things. They're not like the weird lot on ones that were... Sure. It's, it's the normal sort of mix you'd expect. Yeah. I, I was hoping for a larger section on syntax, because this language has noun incorporation, and really interesting things can happen Um Discourse-wise and pragmatics-wise, oh. when when you do that, but we don't. There's a little bit of of discussion about this, but but not as much as I might like. Oh, okay. And this is another example of a language that's wonderfully documented, and it gives some examples in the grammar. But I would like to see more. I would like to see more examples of how conjugation works. <laughs> we have a chart. It's a very big chart. Yeah, we have giant charts. Right. We have a bunch of giant charts, but charts they're all the endings and stuff. And there's a lot of cases where 
I really like that he does this, but this is something that you might want examples of. But there's cases where the conjugations involve a mutation in, in one constant. Like, uh, there's labialization and palatalization and nasalization involved in some of these conjugations. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or in the... In noun classes, sorry. That's a declination, isn't it? I'm to totally in the wrong place. <laughs> but, um, I think... And so it would be nice to have maybe one of those charts for a specific route, to use an example, or just examples of the declined and conjugated roots. Um, but... As far as I don't think I could complain about the detail. No, it's interesting. I, I think if if someone wanted to get a taste for a, a, a language that does noun incorporation, that has a strong aroma of maybe maybe a Salish kind of language. In any case, this is a, a more approachable and less complicated thing than than an actual native real human version of one of these. <laughs> There's a lot you can learn from this um, with some of the craziness taken away, although he really has all sorts of funky um, uh, affixes tend to undergo all sorts of horrible reductions. Vowels disappear and reappear. And Yay! <laughs> it's, it's funky, as you said. Yeah. No, it's a good it's a good thing. Much can be learned from it. I think we can kind of put this to rest because to be honest, there's a whole lot of information here. There is like we have. And we one can... of the stories has was used in the L C C four relay uh -huh. and there's a sound file. Yeah. That comes with it. And, and I and will that... I have that actually queued up. Thank okay. you for reminding me. I will... Yay, editing. Yay. You know, now that we're on a language that has, you know, glottal stops, it always amazes me now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, I don't want to talk now. Whoa, oh, because you're echoing? Yeah. So okay, I'll let well, you play the video and you can edit. It's, it's, it's just an audio file, but... Polpatrotnala. Tsekashan pahmama nata not nene. Chotna lekwetsanan yetsamankwa, polpa yate tsasheshi satsimakse. He, tatsant popewe tseka yayata. Nanyamputakikmo oma nahahata homekchantwichese. And it keeps on going for over a minute, but I'm not going to yes. play the whole thing. But uh, it is. It has a very. Uh, distinctive sound to it. It certainly sounds like a language of the Americas. Yes. Uh-huh. Anyway, so that sound file still goes along with what I was saying in that um, oh, I'm echoing, I think. I what, don't know. Uh, are you, you shouldn't be echoing now. Um, okay. No, I was saying that a lot of these languages that have the glottal stop, the pronunciation is much stronger than that in English. So, like, you know, in English, when people tell you, oh, there's this thing, you don't really pay attention to it. But it's very soft. But then if you hear a language like that guy was speaking, 
you can definitely hear it very obviously as a real element rather yeah, than just particularly um I don't I don't think all lang- languages that have glottal stops are like this, but languages like that that have the glottal stop being very common get that very characteristic sort of rhythm to them where it's up, uh, 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 yeah. Well, you get it where it's much more pronounced, whereas if you do it in English, it's kind of half said. <laughs> If you get my know. meaning, but you know. Sure. Although it's it's historically it's a it's a weird sound. Uh, glottal stops, especially at the end of a syllable, are frequently the creation of tone systems. Hmm. They typically disappear, and either vowels get lengthened or other funkiness happens, but a, the, a tone system is quite common. So the Athabascan languages are fun because they used to have, well, some of them still have, but we'd have these syllable final glottal stops. In some child languages caused a high tone, and in other child languages caused a low tone. <laughs> so you have these languages that the words are obviously cognate, but the tones are switched. Lovely. Yeah. That's awesome. Huh. <laughs> how did how does that happen? I guess glottal stop doesn't really have a preferred uh direction when it turns into a tone. But it's obviously the the whole constriction of the glottis is doing funky things acoustically. Uh-huh. Um I would have to actually go remind myself of the literature on this to find out how both of these possibilities were real, but so now someone can take um uh, uh I can't even say this language tamashare tamashare and uh and and run it through some more sound changes and we can invent a tone system for it. Yes, yes, somebody do that. <laughs> I'm too lazy, but somebody do that. Ah. <laughs> uh... I like. I want to see more tonal con lines because I like tonality. No. You don't like it? Oh, Bianca, you. We've been it. over this before. You don't. You need to learn a tonal language so that you can hear it. I then had to do a tonal it. language and field methods, and that is part of the reason why I don't like them. You do. You don't have to go for a full tonal language, but say... It was only like high, low, and mid, but that was enough to annoy me. <laughs> Learn like a pitch accent. Well, Swedish isn't... Swedish, Swedish has accent? a pitch accent. Yeah. Does that mean I'm a fan of it? No. There are plenty <laughs> of things in Swedish I don't like. Well, but I'm learning it anyway, so whatever. Uh, honestly, these days, if there is any habit into which I've fallen, it's a two-tone system. Two-tone system. Very, I make many two-tone system languages. Yeah. you. I heard you said... I I noticed somewhere you mentioned that... Uh, I know somewhere you mentioned... Maybe on the podcast one episode, you mentioned that you like to do a two-tone system with long vowels so that you can mark it a certain way. Uh, right. If I include long vowels, then I can get tone contours. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh, okay. That's it. 
Um, I don't know. I had a poor tone system with some weirdness with my very first language. I have but. a cat lang with like nine tones, if that makes you happier. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's for cats. It was not contours. I'm planning on doing a contour language tone language in the future with six tones. See, George, you're just gonna have to start publishing these languages so that we can have more published tonal conlangs. Get yes. to work. I don't know. I am doing a grammar no, by Rio, which is stress accent, so not a tonal, but it's I'm actually writing the grammar for it. <laughs> and yeah, because of pitch accent. Oh. Well so, then Merry you've Christmas. Used it. Um why don't we do a feedback since we've yes. stopped talking about uh Oh, can I complain about Tomashare? Which was the what? wrong vowel again and no glottal stop. But whatever. Um, I don't like that he uses the glottal stop to mark the glottal stop because I keep thinking it's a question mark. <laughs> I this, that's totally fine to me. Actually, I like it. I prefer well, I was going through reading the section on questions, and I was like, "Why is this in two sentences? Why is there a question here?" Oh no, it's a glottal stop. I prefer to use an apostrophe myself because that symbol is a pain to type, but. Well, it's not very difficult for me to type. It's just reading it. The difference is fairly minimal. (laughs) And I just keep thinking it's a question. It's Moshare. I don't know. Is it? (laughs) I want to... But anyway, I I want to read to you guys an email that we got. And this guy seems a little... this, This... Email seems a little confusing to me, so maybe you guys can uh, clear up what he's trying to get. It's from Okuno Zankoku, and he says, Since you always want to know, I've started a sketch of an analytic language and have been trying to think how I might create an aspect that's realized lexically rather than morphosyntactically. Your podcast on politeness and formality was pretty much exactly what I needed. Now I just have have to figure out the exact levels and derivations. Keep these coming. They're very enlightening, even to someone already relatively experienced in the subjects you discuss. I'm thinking that... I'm thinking by aspect, he's not meaning the technical meaning of aspect. He's meaning just a thing in the language. What? I got more confused by your thing. Here. Maybe I should copy-paste this into the doc, like I usually do. Well, number one, we're glad that he's enjoying it. Yay! Yay! Yeah. Number two, let me look at the doc, so... I'm not making stuff up, which at this point I might as well do. Um, yeah. And then surely someone should like do a whole list of everything I say through the episodes and be like, "These are your 350 mistakes. Fix them now." I'm not sure what he meant to say, but he but something in that episode helped him. Good. So, so that's all I care about. Huh. So I think that's all we have 
for this time. Yes. Any last words, Bianca? What? That sounds so threatening. <laughs> any last, any, any parting wisdom? I don't have any wisdom. I don't even have proper wisdom teeth. Anyway. William, no. do you have any parting wisdom? Sure. So, Tetsapa, which is an example from my current language, and it means I cooked a duck. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm going to do with that. <laughs> anyway, happy conlanging. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find all our episodes and show notes, as well as subscribe to our iTunes or RSS feeds through conlangery.conlang.org. You can also like our Facebook page or follow at Conlangery on Twitter. If you would like to contact us with corrections, comments, questions, or suggestions, or even suggest your own Conlang as a feature, please email conlangery at gmail.com or call into our new voicemail line 304-873-6281. We also have a handy suggestions form on our site. Our theme music was created by Xander Medeus. Tetsapa.